Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, a hearty good morning to all of you, or afternoon, whenever you're checking out the show. This is the JP Peterson Show. We do two hours each and every day of Tampa Bay-centric sports. And who knows what else we're going to get into today. Nick Geddes from On3 Sports joining me this morning. How are you, Nick? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm trying to stay inside. It is freezing outside this morning. (laughs) I don't know what it's like up there in Orlando where you are, but I am appalled at the fact that we are approaching March. And I woke up this morning and it was 38 degrees outside. Was it 38? Wow. Over here, it was 38 degrees in the morning. Wow. Yeah, I know it's been in the low 40s. I love it. Uh, Dropping the kids off at school this morning. It's a nice little brisk in the air. Just don't forget, folks, within weeks, it's going to be 90 with 90% humidity. So enjoy it. Just put your your sweaters on. Enjoy it. Take the dust. The dogs love it. The tally's all energized, man. She can't, they, she can't wait to get out and get after that ball when it's cold. She absolutely loves it. So, I'm also and, laughing at all the. Uh, are you an AT and T customer? I am not. I saw that though. A lot of the, like it's. My they've wife been texted down me. For a while, Casey right? uh, texted me at like six thirty in the morning when she got in her car this morning to go to work. She's like, "My phone's not working. It says something SOS on it or whatever." And then I saw it on the news that it's a nationwide outage, and I'm like, "Well." You shouldn't have AT&T in 2024, folks. should not have AT&T. What, what, why not? Isn't it a, 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 one of the best mobile companies out there? I'm Team Verizon all the way. Never steered Team me Verizon. wrong. Never steered me wrong. And now the entire yeah, but you pay got like ten. You, you pay like 10 times more than everybody else. What's your bill a month? I couldn't even tell you, to be honest. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're still on mom's plan. Mom's still paying for yourself. Mom phone, is right? not. No, no, no. <laughs> I just, I don't look at the price of the bills. I just pay them. I just let them go. What? You don't look at the price of your bills? Wow. I don't, don't want to know. I have a okay. lot of the amount that I need and I don't look at them any further. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got, uh, I got spectrum and uh, I had Verizon and Verizon. Verizon used to be, was like, you know, five years ago was the OG. I mean, it was the best and it, it was by far better than everybody else. And just in terms of coverage. So I like, I'll spend the extra money. And then it just went to crap. It went to crap. I think they started selling off their towers to other companies and whatever, but it just went to crap. It was worse than anything in South Tampa. And then, uh, then I went to T-Mobile that sucked. And then I just went to spectrum just cause it was like, you know, it's 30 bucks a month. I mean, you just can't beat can't that. Beat that. So. 30 bucks a month. It's fine. It works. It works as bad as the rest of them. Let's just put it that way. It works as bad as the rest of them. I don't think there's no question about it, that it has gone downhill from about five to eight years ago. You know, when you feel when you were on Verizon, you could go anywhere and it was clear as a bell. You never dropped a call. It was great. Now it's like awful. I feel like the more technology, like we advance. Yeah. The worse it gets. It worse it gets. Yeah. No question about it. And if, uh, if you've seen the, um, what's the name of that end of the world, uh, series that they have on, uh, anyway, it's, it, they talk, they talk where, where it's coming. It's not going to be nuclear war. It's going to be shutting down the internet, shutting down cell phones, all communication, because everything now is run off Wi-Fi technology. Almost everything is done from Wi-Fi technology or, or some type of, uh, internet cable thing. everything is run by that and once that once that gets interrupted and shut down uh which is it's way too fragile i mean start looking for backups 
like get a ham radio get us get a get a one of those the shortwave radio Look you're gonna this. need you're gonna need ears on your television set we're going back to analog everything watch when when it all can you, when it can all you breaks tell down. that we're in the can you tell that we're in like the dead zone period of sports right now yes we are we lead we totally, off the show we're talking, talking about, we're talking <laughs> talking about, about end of to... world scenario <laughs> it's coming my cell phone doesn't work what do i do ah it's true just go try to go a day and a half without using your cell phone. You can't do it. I, I'm wondering how people survived having life. to. I'm wondering how people survived having to use FM radio this morning. So mm-hmm. many people are so used to plugging in the Bluetooth machine. Right. And I saw people right. complaining. They're like, I had to actually turn on my FM radio today. Yeah. I'm like, wow, we have yeah. some problems. <laughs> yeah. Rick says. Rick. Rick says he's right here. <laughs> we got people chiming in. Spectrum uses Verizon towers for half the price. Suckers. That's you. Thank you for subsidizing my cheap spectrum. <laughs> Appreciate that Verizon customer spending a hundred dollars a month, but you, you keep not looking at your bill money bags. That's just fine. Um, all right. Anyway, let's get into some other actual stuff here. Set up the show a little bit. Brian Bradley's going to join us from the morning skate uh, today, uh, 11 o'clock and Corey long will join us at 1130. Uh, see how lightning get back at it against the caps tonight. Ovi and company are in town. They have not had a great year coming off a win for them, but uh, it is um, ESPN hockey night. So the bolts will be on at seven o'clock on ESPN, the mothership. And um, we'll get the full treatment from that. I wonder who's doing the game tonight. I wonder, wonder if it's Bucci. Probably Bucci. It usually Bucci. always is Bucci. I feel like we've been yeah. on ESPN a lot more this year though. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, um, I think they, the lightning are, are a nice draw or are they not? That's a nice, you know, Kucherov versus Ovechkin. You know, that's that's a great that's a great matchup. Yeah, it Let's bring some eyeballs. Did you know a few years ago? You know, yeah, Ovechkin's I mean, Ovi, playing a little better. He's playing a little better lately. Yeah, Ovi's not um, you know, hasn't had the goals this year. His, his point numbers aren't terrible, but it's he's just not filling up the net like he used to. But uh, Kucherov certainly is. And you know, for the Lightning, this is a uh, you know, this is a it, every, every points are just tantamount right now you've got to get two points here especially after dropping that one to ottawa that's two home games you got zero points uh you know you've been outscored what 13 to 4 uh in the last two home games the that's not good and i said it yesterday it feels like this lightning team is a little stale just say you know it's just a little stale is that is that a good word yeah you think? I, would, I would say that's a good word yeah it just and it feels like um, you know, they've got the talent. They still, I still think they have one of the best four or five cores in the game with, with Vassie and Hedman, Stamkos and Cooch and Point. I just, I, you know, I think that's um, as good as there is in the game for the most part. Uh, but it takes, you know, as you know, it takes much more than that to, to be become elite and, and, and go deep into the playoffs. You've got to have depth in your scoring. You've got to have, you know, a, they've got to be better defensively. You just, you're not going anywhere when you're in the low twenties in in defensive yeah. metrics. You're just not. I'm. I, I mean, I'll, I'll draw this comparison, and I know cover your ears, Lightning fans. The the Lightning, I think, as they're constructed at the moment, I'll throw Hagel by the way in that top core because I think he's yeah. been really good this year. Yep, yep. So that's six guys. They almost kind of remind me of some of these Toronto teams the last few years right now. Ooh, you said the T word. I did. Ooh. I, I mean, I Ooh. hate to go there. Wow. But I mean, you talk about high-end scoring at the top and then not the greatest middle six in the world or the bottom six that's not really carrying their weight right? and then poor defense. And 
let's be honest, yeah, up until recent, up until comparison. and up until recently, and he's had a setback here the last couple his last couple outings. Vasilevsky hasn't been Vasilevsky, so you've had questionable goaltending. I think for majority of the season, I think that's just a fair thing to say. Yeah, um, I, I think it is. Well, the first more, ten games were not Vasy. The next ten, yeah, to thirteen games been, were good. The, the last two have not been great. Right, but if you include the beginning of the year when they had to ride with Johansson and all that, the goaltending has been. It hasn't been as good as we've seen it in recent years. We'll put it that way. So they yeah. kind of remind me of some of those Toronto teams at the moment. And I don't really like that. There's a lot of guys that I don't think are pulling their weight. Um, we talked to Chief, what was it, last week, and he said that the Lightning really don't have a number two center. I couldn't agree with that anymore. I, yeah. love, I love Tony Sorelli, the things he does, the little things during the game. But he just doesn't score enough to be a number two he, center. He seems he more like play. a three center, right? Right. He just doesn't right. drive play like that. So that's why I've been saying it's like, you know, the trade deadline's coming up. I know everybody wants defense and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I think you have enough at play to get both. I think they need another guy they could slot there on their second line for some more scoring help as well. So And is that guy, did we see him the other night, Tarasenko? I mean, Ottawa? I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I mean, he's, I told you the number, he's under a $5 million contract a year, which obviously they're not going to have to pay the, the bulk of that now since it's late right. in the season, and he's going to be a free agent anyway. So right. it's just a rental. I guess it just depends what the price is. What I don't like is this is a seller's market. I don't know if you recall the trade that went down a couple weeks ago. Uh, Montreal traded Sean Monahan to yeah. Winnipeg and got a first-round pick back for him. Sean yeah. Monahan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They got a first-round pick back for them. Oh, and by the way, the Lightning didn't exactly help themselves out either when it comes to the market because of the trade they made with Tanner Janot. So it scares yeah. me a little bit. Yeah. of how many more assets the Lightning are willing to give up uh, for this core. But mm-hmm. I just think if you're trying to continue to do that, and of course they are, I don't think as currently constructed they, they have enough pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, as I said yesterday, I think more than anything they need a guy that's going to come in here and stir the pot a little bit uh, and bring some emotion and fire. You hear, you heard, uh, you know, Cooper after the game um, against Ottawa just said we just kind of went flat. We – we own the first 10 minutes of the game. They score and we went flat. And that's, you know, that's reminiscent of the early season lightning. You know, we, we thought we dusted that off. We were done with that. And, you know, they go on the run right before the, the break um, and, you know, move up into a solid third place in the division and things are looking good. And then you just, you know, two games in a row, it, that, that's all it took to, in, in a stretch of 48 hours. You've gone from feeling really good about your club to, oh my God, what is this? You know, right. And, uh, you know, and that's just one. And those those nine to two things, they're going to happen every once in a while. But And, and you, you want to you just kind of throw them away. But you can't because there's symptoms there, right? I mean, there's a reason you gave up nine goals in a row. Um, that's It's it's not because you're, you're, you're a horrible team. It's because you've got some chinks in the armor and they were exposed. And that's a problem. And that's a lot of that is defensive coverage. Um, and a lot of that is just – you know, Florida just seemed to be much more confident than them. Like they came in here and just kind of owned our ass. And that's that's very unlightning like. You know, they're the ones that have done the owning for the most part. So I need they I think they need to get a little bit of swerve back. I think they need a little bit of uh, you know what I'm a, a little bit of juice. They need some juice. Bring in somebody that's got not only gonna, you know, maybe light up the scoreboard a little bit, but give them some juice. And maybe that's a guy that comes in and helps them defensively. You know, that could be another type um, of addition. But I think without question, this 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 kind of dressing room, I think, has gone 
a little stale and it needs a little bit of juice. And that's, and, and that's not, I don't think that's an indictment of the team that's here. They're champions. They're, they're two-time champions. They are, they, 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 their legacy is, is building still. Right. But it's, but it's also rock solid and there, nobody's taken anything away from this team. They are who they are. But if you want to be great, if you want to be dynastic, um, there might be a bold move that needs to be made to, to shake this, this club up a little bit. And I'm not sure what that is or who that is to bring in. And it's not, you know, it's not, you know, I, it's not John Cooper. I mean, oh, shut up. No. It's not, you know, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about, because I mean, you see this happen, you know, you know, Barry Trotz gets fired a year after winning a cup. That's not happening here in Tampa Bay. There was no need for that. In fact, John Cooper's part of the answer. He's not the problem. Um, he's, he's one of the best in the game at playing the motivational game and, and, and getting his team in the mindset of where they need to be in terms of desperation. You don't win like he's won unless you're an expert at that because that's so much of what hockey is, right? It's getting your team to play to that intensity level that they need to play. And they know what that is. They know what the recipe is. As I said the other day, they know what it is and they know what's missing and they know what they need because they've done it and they've been there. And Cooper and, and Breeze Ball will get together and they'll, you know, hopefully – the only problem is they don't have a whole lot of ammunition to go out and make, you know, a, maybe that huge, huge deal that they would like to make or could make. That's the problem. They don't have a lot of first or any first round picks left. Um, you know, who can they trade from their stable of, of prospects? Do they have any great prospects? I mean, somebody's young defenseman came up and showed some stuff. That's good. That makes their value go up. But I don't know if there's, you know, teams are just banging down the door to get somebody. I mean, do you do you think there's anybody on the team like that? Not really. I mean, I think some of these guys, whether it's Chafee, uh, Lilleberg, and a lot of the other guys have kind of come up and everything. I think they've surprised us a little bit. Yeah. Like they've been effective in their roles. But no, they're not top prospects or anything like that. And I don't know how much value those guys carry. Um, we know that what they're working with from an ammunition standpoint in the draft is not. I mean, they're going to have to obviously offer picks that are down the line. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think the alarming thing is it's like you listen to John Cooper after these games, and this was happening last year too. And it's happening this year as well, where sometimes it feels like he, he doesn't have the answer. Like, that's the thing. Like, sometimes it's like it is, it is what it is. And, like, I hate to say that, but it almost feels like when he gives his answers, like he's perplexed sometimes. Like, you know, they start off hot against Ottawa, right? Yeah. You know, they yeah. came out of the gates, and I think they had like a 6-0 shot on goal, and they probably yeah. could have scored Six two, one. Yep. and it didn't happen. Then they give up the first, and he's like, it just kind of, like you said, it went, or like he said, it went flat. And it felt like the effort overall just kind of went flat. And that happens a lot. And, I, and that's the part that's alarming to me for a veteran group. And I know that we've talked about it's hard to stay focused during an 82 regular season when you've been to the mountaintop and you're an older crew and all those things. But I think you, once you get, as you get older with this core, and even though they're still really effective, I think the whole thing about, oh, they're just going to turn it on in the playoffs and it's going to happen. I don't think that's as easy anymore. Yeah. I think some of these bad habits mm-hmm. have more of a likelihood of carrying over into the playoffs when you get there. I mean, let's be real. This, this, this is still a team that last year we thought was going to carry over. Yeah. They had some good moments in that first, first round series against Toronto. Probably thought they were the better team, but they still didn't yeah, they get were. out of it. Yeah. They still didn't get out of it. In the end of the day, that's all that matters. So, yeah, you know, and I was looking at some of the, uh, the names and, I don't know if you've seen this name. He's been pretty linked to the Lightning. 
uh, Noah Hannafin, the defenseman from from Calgary. Yeah. And again, if you're looking for like a typical just like Sergachev replacement because he's more of an offensive guy, from what I understand, mm-hmm. I guess he would fill the need there. But again, he's a guy that's on an expiring contract, and he's 27, so he's right in the prime of his career. He was a former top prospect, and this is a seller's market. I mean, are you comfortable just? Sh- I don't think he's a guy that's going to transform your D or anything like that. And no. I don't think he's a he's not a defensive D type guy either. And I think that's really what they need as well. So I mean, there's just a lot of questions here of how much you really want to mortgage for these guys, right? Yeah, and if, and if this this is the season to do it, I don't know. Um, maybe just the fact that Sergeyev is injured, you just kind of say, you know, we're going to kind of eat this season. We don't have a lot to give up. We don't want to give up what we have to, to hopefully build for the future. They're just, you know, there. This comes a time in in a uh, in a dynasty's reign where you start running out of resources because of the salary cap, and the salary cap's not going up commensurate to keep some of these guys. And the guys that you replaced, you know, the Yanni Gords with aren't quite Yanni Gord. You know, yeah, I, I was going to say what's really killing them too of all those like cheap acquisitions they got in the off season. Connor Sheary, I mean. <sighs> Yeah, it's just not he, there. I mean, he's, he was supposed to kind of what I thought, you know, not going to replace the level of Alex Kalor necessarily. Right. But kind of be in that role where maybe he could play in your top six. He's played with star players before. Yeah. I know he's not doing that here, but one goal in 39 games. How about 34 yeah. shots on goal in 39 yeah. games? He had like yeah. 150 last year. He's just not even – he's nowhere near anything happening yeah. right now on the ice. So he's yeah. hurt them. Um. Yeah, but the, I'll say this. The next four games are going to be really telling because you got yep. Washington tonight, mm-hmm. the Islanders on Saturday, then a back-to-back with the Devils on Sunday. That's huge. These three games are huge. Right. This next, you know, what, uh, 72 hours or whatever, these yeah. next three games and are huge. And then Philly's right after that. And those, yeah. four te- those four teams are all the four teams that you're right now just in front of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no time to, to hang your head. Um, Cooper said this uh, yesterday, I believe. He says, I think when you take a big picture of our last 20, I've been b- pretty happy with what's going on. Uh, you're not going to win every single game. The Florida game is a tough one. That one, you kind of just throw up your hands. Uh, of, of all the games we played since we've been back, to me, that was a bit of a stinger. Just because some of the things we pulled out of our game and giving those freebie rushes and chances reared its ugly head, and we haven't seen that in a few months, but it was prevalent. And that's what you saw, you know, the, the two Joseph goals were, you know, those are those careless passes, the turnovers. And, you know, with Joseph and his speed, that's going to, you know, turn up in the back of your net. And that's what we saw uh, all the first part of the season. Every time you made a mistake, it was in the back of your net. You know, Vassy normally will will make one of those two saves, right? Keep you in the game. Just hasn't happened. So, you know, it's not like we're sitting here and saying blowing up. You still have, again, a top five core in this league. And there's not, there's also, you know, something else. The guys that are here need to play better. They just, I mean, like you talk about Sherry, you talk about some of these other guys, Nick Paul, um, you, these guys got to step up. They need to play better. They need to step up their games. They're capable of it. Um, you know, when's, when's that going to happen? They just, and, and that's part of it. Sherry needs to step up his game. Brian Eggbaum mentioned the other day that he thought he was a little bit more active on the ice in that game against Ottawa. Thought his game was pretty good. So maybe he's waking up a little bit, but whatever it is, they, you know, it's, it's time to go. You know, certainly Kucherov has been carrying this club the entire season. And it's time these guys, a lot of these guys stop watching him and get on it, you know? Right. right. And that's, you that's... said the number, you know, the, the second center, 
And it maybe this is this a time when you move Stamkos down to that second line to play center, and 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 maybe Sorelli moves to the third line. Um, maybe you switch it up in some way to to get those guys going a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that's probably what I would do. Um, some variation of Sorelli, and you know, I think Nick Paul, and maybe another grinder type guy. Like I think they really could use like one of those grinder type third lines that still have some capabilities. To put the buck in the back of the net. Yeah. Yeah. But clearly, and again, it's hard to compare it to that team from three years ago because we'll just never see anything like that again. Let's just be completely honest. That was yeah. that was just a different time. But that third line was such a weapon, and I think that's where they're really struggling. I mean, but I also don't want to overact too much because, like, I've already, you know, I feel like you when you lose two games in the manner they have, I think it's easy to overreact, and maybe we are doing that a little bit. But let's yeah. let's remember they had gone on a very hot stretch right before this. Mm-hmm. They had. In fact, yeah. we saw them play two of the best teams in the NHL, Boston, on the road, and then we saw them at home against Colorado, which were two of the best games that I think we've we've watched all season long. And the Lightning answered the bell in those ones. So don't want to overreact too much, but I just think it's fair to analyze the team at this point and how they stack up against some of these contenders in the East, and I just think they have, you know, I think there's some realistic holes there. No, no, no question about it. So we'll see tonight as uh, they take on the Capitals uh, in, in, you know, what's becoming some must win games. I, I'd say they got to get, they got to get at least four points out of these next three, um, maybe even five you'd like to see and, and really solidify themselves. And and that's, they just got, this is, it's time. I mean, playoffs have started for the lightning. It is playoff time. It's not even a push. It's like, you got to win. You got to win three out of four and, or, or you're not, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, Mr. Ray is going to talk about uh, the additions yesterday that they made, um, and Rosario um, was an interesting pickup for this team for the Rays, and they got him for a bargain basement of 1.5 million plus incentives. Um, he was listed by some as the 20th best free agent out there, and just never really got a lot of bites because I think people don't see him as a full time shortstop anymore. Um, but that's not what the Rays need. They don't need him as a full-time shortstop. They need a guy that can play shortstop and give you a little pop here and there. He's really good against lefties. Hits 298, uh, 806 OPS against lefties. It's, it's a really nice uh, piece to add at this point of the season, you know, early on in, uh, in spring training where you can get him kind of acclimated to the Rays' way and see where he can help you. I think it's a nice pickup. Nothing dynamic, but it's a good piece. Yeah, I think like this move to me, kind of like I think all the moves for the most part the Rays have made. Like if you look at them on their on the surface, I think that they look like really good moves because they look like good finds necessarily. And you know, again, they're not going to ever spend. You know, <laughs> just not going to happen. Um, but I think at this point, one point five million for Ahmed Rosario, uh, even at twenty eight years old. Listen, he's played like eight years in the league. He's been around for a while. He's a veteran. I talked a lot about wanting some veterans in the clubhouse. He's been on some really good baseball teams as well. Um, not the greatest defender. You know, I kind of said this when it happened. Uh, he's not going to be Taylor Walls out there at short. Right, okay, right. Let's, okay, and, and, and that's unfair to compare him to Taylor. But even as a league average hitter, and that's what the numbers typically tell you, overall, he's a league average hitter who is, a, who is actually pretty good at hitting lefties as well. To me, that already screams big upgrade over Taylor Walls. Yeah, already at shortstop, and sure. and, yeah. and again as well as, and I think Walls actually might be sidelined to start the season as well. Yeah, but the so hip. then you're kind of stuck with the only true shortstop you have on the roster is Basabi, 
And yeah. I don't think the Rays definitely wanted to go into the regular season with Oslavis Basabi as their starting shortstop. And I well, don't they got think they Caballero trust, too. They, they have traded. Caballero as well. Yeah. Um, they have they have a lot of middle infielders now. They have a lot. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about Caminero's there. I mean, th- this to me this makes it likely that Caminero is going to start the year at AAA. Right. That right. seems likely. I don't think to there's me. any question about that. Yeah. Right. And then you still Which have is probably me. where he should be. You know. Yeah. Let's, let's, I, everybody wants to get him up here. I get it. But um, you don't want him coming up here and getting overwhelmed. That's just not what you want right now. Hold on. I got to Did you see what happened to me? No. <laughs> what what happened? All of What's a sudden, that? my my uh my leg like bumped into my uh my chair, the adjuster oh, yeah, part, <laughs> and I literally just. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but no, to finish my point on Rosario, the other I think I really like him at second. Like I've talked a lot about getting Brandon Lau off his feet. Yeah. Like if he's going to be a part of this team moving forward, and they aren't going to, they're not interested in trading him and all those things. Yeah. And the yeah. interest of him with all these injuries, and I know swinging is definitely the worst part for a back injury. Yeah. Exactly. Get him off his feet. Yeah. That's what I I think Rosario will fit a need there too. Yeah. But that, that that's fair. Um, and I I think what's interesting is they're they're um. Their starting pitching, I think, is 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 going to be interesting. Um, and we talked a little bit about Uwasawa yesterday, the, the uh, Japanese kid. I think it's going to. I think it's very interesting. He's got his numbers are really really good um, uh, when you look at him from the Japanese standpoint. And I just think with you you combine him with the Ray Smarts, um, he's going to be. I bet he's going to be a very productive pitcher for them. And and you know obviously you want to look towards the back end of the season where you get Springs and Rasmussen back. And now you're looking at a, at a rotation that could be really, really good. Now you don't know how those guys come back. You know, it could, could take them a while to find their, their control and, and get really effective. But, um, you know, I think early in the season, you're going to have to get a lot of help from your bullpen, obviously. Um, but what do you, what are you thinking in terms of the, the starting rotation? Yeah, I think in, in terms of, are they, is this starting rotation at the moment the level to be a World Series contender? I don't really think so. No. Um, without the no. big guys. Without McClanahan, right. Rasmussen, and Springs, I think you're asking too much there. But there's still a lot of talent here. Um, I'm going to be curious to see how Zach Eflin comes out because Zach Eflin's being told that, you know, you're the ace now of the mm-hmm. staff. Like last year, he was a great find, and he started the year as like their three, I believe, or maybe their four. Yeah. And he definitely overexceeded expectations. Now he's the ace. So I'm curious to see what Eflin looks like, but – Remember, you still have Savali's there, and, and Savali didn't blow me away, if I'm being completely honest with you, when I saw him pitch for the Rays. No, no his he, stuff he, is not His electric. stuff is just not, yeah, it, just kind of there. Yeah. Uh, Littell, let's, we'll see if Littell can carry on his, his kind of thing that last year when they put him as a starter. Yeah. Kind of forget about him to, at times. I mean, Baz is and in the mix. His numbers were really good. His numbers, numbers were really good. good. Baz is in the mix. Bradley's in the mix. And Uwasawa, I think he has a chance to be the biggest – bargain of of this entire team this year i mean he signed for a minor league deal and literally said he did that on purpose because he wanted to be with the Rays, and said he had interest before doing it makes the move i mean he's a three-time all-star in the japan league you know i looked at the numbers and everything i'm not gonna act like i've watched this guy religiously pitch in japan the numbers look good though but the numbers look good and they typically translate yeah i I think he has a chance to be i think he has a chance to stick i really do think he has a chance to stick i'm excited about you saw yeah, and Littell, you know, once he got into the rotation, his ERA was 3.34. Right. Uh, with, with a 5.03 OPS in 12 starts. And he started 51 going to 5 too. strikeout to walk walk ratio. That's those are really good numbers. Really good numbers. So you're I mean, if you can get that out of him 
again, the race just find a way. And the, and the offense in the regular season was not an issue, right? So, yeah, look, I, I think this team is, is, is eminently capable of competing for the division title again. Um, regular season, I, I, you know, this, there's no reason to think this team won't be in the mix. Even though they don't have the huge names and the huge numbers, I think they're very much in the mix. With Kevin Cash as the manager, he's clearly shown he knows how to get it done. Now, we could get into the season – and you know all these guys that that were surprises last year, like Littell and and uh, and, and and Eflin and some of the others that pe- pitched really really well, might revert back to being not so good. And it could be a little bit of a a, a challenge because they're obviously in a very competitive division, and maybe the other teams just get better and, and stay better. I mean, the Orioles aren't going anywhere. They got better in the offseason. Clearly, the Yankees got better. Um, you know see Stanton's in better shape. He's lost weight. We're doing you know, I'm not with Stanton, huh? Yeah. I mean, I'm not holding my breath that this is going to be a murderer's row, but you know, you add Juan Soto, that's significant. It's it significant is. with it that is. lineup. I'm not, not going to ignore what the Yankees have done. Um, and, and don't be shocked if Blake Snell ain't wearing pinstripes in the next couple of weeks. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm that's, that's an interesting fit. If that happens, Blake Snell in New York, I, I think that has a chance to be, uh, a disaster. <laughs> yes, I, and that's hard for a lot of pitchers. I mean, Carlos Rodon was a was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He got that big deal in New York, and it's like he forgot how to pitch. Yeah, last year. I mean, yeah, it's and- it's really hard in that environment right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, I don't know about Blake in New York. I really yeah, don't. I, you know, we I haven't obviously we haven't been around him for three years, three four years now, and and you know when he was here, he was immature. I mean, nobody's going to say no, he wasn't. You go to New York and and be you know. Be immature, and that's not going to work yeah. out. You got to be a pro, uh, yeah, or they'll rip you to shreds in the in the in the media. That obviously yeah. doesn't happen in Tampa Bay. Yeah, like I think like they like they picked up Marcus Stroman. I actually think Stroman yeah. fits really good in New York, and I know right. some Yankee fans aren't excited about it. Uh, but Stroman's a, I think a solid, dependable, like a nice three to have in your rotation, and he kind of pitches with that fu mentality. Yeah, and I think that fits more New York to me. Yeah, so I like that. that I'm for just them. But look, I, I don't. You add a two-time Cy Young Award winner to that Yankee staff. and um, yeah. yeah, on paper it would look great, but I was yeah. going to finish with the Yankees by saying, like, yeah, Soto gets my attention. Aaron Judge gets my attention, but Aaron Judge is already talking about, yeah, I got to manage the toe, like, every day. And I look at the rest of the lineup, and it's still Rizzo. It's still LeMahieu. It's Stanton. I mean, these guys just don't move the needle for me in 2024. Like, I, what else do you have around those guys? Okay. I think it's the same thing. I think Baltimore, to me, is the favorite, and I think the Rays are, are still number two. Okay. Like, 83.5 is some of the win-loss the, the win totals. You just or, tossing uh, Toronto out the window? I thought Toronto. Toronto always chokes. They choke. They have less regular season success than the Rays. They squeak into the playoffs with all the payroll that they have and everything and all the great players, and they choke every but single someday, year. But someday, someday. They're oh, going to actually push live through up to their day. talent level. They're going to yeah. push through one day. All I'm saying is the over-under on the Rays' yeah, win them total. Them and the Maple Leafs. Over-under on the Rays' uh, win total is 83 and a half, and I think that's disrespectful. Is that it? Is it really they are not, and a half? Yeah, they won 99 games last year. Yeah, that's silly. That's, that's as easy as the Bucks over last year. Uh, take advantage of that. Yeah, take advantage of that. That That's that's <laughs> a no-brainer right there. Um, man, that's that's easy. That's easy money. You may win that by uh, September 1st next year. Who knows? Um, all right, let's 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 take a break. I want to come back. Uh, I want to get into some college football as well. Corey Long is going to join us at 1130. Uh, he's going to uh, break down the 12-team uh, playoff 
I don't know um, if you like that. We'll hit that a little bit when we come back. Uh, some FSU versus ACC news we want to get to. Also, um, there was an interesting article today in the Times on youth sports, in which I am now involved in again, coaching uh, basketball. So we have issues, people. We have issues with our youth sports, and I mean big time. So we're going to get into that a little bit. We'll, uh, we'll do some Valspar talk. I see you have your, your hat on there today. The field's getting better and better, Justin Thomas added. So lots more coming your way here on the J.P. Peterson Show. We're brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S lawgroup.com. We had Scott on the program uh, last week, told us to expect there'll be a settlement between Florida State and the ACC, and boom, what do you know? That's uh, probably coming our way here in the next few months. Um, he's a great he's a great attorney, super nice guy, and very approachable, as are all the attorneys there. Uh, it is a smaller firm that can go up against the big, big, big firms and insurance companies, and they will do it and put you first, and that's the big deal. They will make you a priority. It's the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com. Back in three. Stay with us. JP here for my friends at your local Synovus Bank, and I do mean friends, and I do mean local. One of the local managers in Tampa is John Acosta, big fan of the show, and I've known him for over 40 years. He's been in local banking since 1983. You talk about developing relationships. You don't stick around for that long unless you're doing things the right way and have a great reputation, and that's the focus company-wide at Synovus. Big enough to handle any complex international transaction, but small enough to answer the phone when you have an urgent question about your business or personal account. And for personal accounts, they have a very easy app that works great. You can do everything online. And for large or small businesses, you will get that personal touch and services to help build your business, taking your dreams and aspirations from the whiteboard to reality. We can make that happen. Let us show you how. For a get acquainted meeting to open a business or personal account, just call John or go to synovus.com to find out where your local branch is. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. She also has a law degree from Stetson. So if Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom, you want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging, marketing, and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. 
It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on FanStream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here on this uh, Thursday. Is uh, what football season being over, bro, and uh, free agency not yet started up. We'll talk a little bucks here today, but uh, it's definitely a lull in the schedule. So uh, we can, and that's kind of good because I think it gives us time to to brush out some other. Uh, I think more um, hey, uh, important I, I tuned in. I tuned in last night to see my UCF Knights oh. kick Miami's butt in uh, baseball. In, really? Uh, down there in Coral Gables. So. Watching a little college baseball. I've huh? been watching college baseball, and I've been watching college softball. The, the, the Lady Knowles got rocked in this, like, Clearwater tournament. Oh, they did? Oh, oh they could not pitch <laughs> at happened? all. They, they lost, like, it was, like, 17 to, like, 5 or something like that, one of the Yikes. games. Yikes. Oklahoma? So, yeah, I've been, but I've been tuning in. Oklahoma has lost baseball in like softball, four bro. years in softball. Like they yeah, have they're, lost there, the and like the the start they've gotten off to this season is like better than what it was last season when Jeez. it was like historic. Wow, wow, uh, incredible. Um, we are brought to you by Bay Area Modern Medical Center. By the way, b a m m c dot com. Uh, Chris Lugo, Lugo and his team over there will get your health right where it needs to be in your immune system. Uh, your testosterone, because uh, if you haven't had your testosterone check lately, guys, you probably need to do so and get it right. Very, very important. Um, and also your nutrition. They'll do a personal plan for you, exercise plan, nutrition plan, and that's what you need. If you're going to your doctor and they're not asking you about your sleep habits or your workout habits or your your eating habits, uh, you're not getting the full the full shake. So. Go to uh, the Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com, and get your appointment now. Um, so I wanted to get into this, this topic of, of youth sports because I um, I think I read in this, this piece that they did in the Times today that they've lost like 40% of the officials in rec, you know, sports leagues, youth leagues, like 40% have just quit over the last five to 10 years because of the abuse that they're getting from parents and players and kids you know I'm, I'm coaching an 11 and under team 11 and under team so you know we got 9 10 and 11 year olds out there and you know the parents you know for the most part we, I have on my team they're fantastic they have, they have no issues whatsoever they they don't but there's some other parents uh, um, like this last week for instance uh, there's there's you know, guys out there and, and yeah, other parents out there yelling about other kids like you know you should never talk about another kid, right? Like yelling and scream. Oh, that, that guy can't go left. He can't go, you know, he can't, he can't dribble with his left hand It's yelling and screaming about, you know, one of my players. And it's, it's like, if you want to say that to your kid, pull him to the side, go to the coach and say, Hey, you, you don't, you don't yell that out at the middle. You know, there's a nine, 10, 11 year old out there. Yell that stuff out. Oh, this guy, this kid can't do that. That can't, that's come on now. Be better than that. Be better than that. And then yelling at referees. I mean, we got kids out there that are, you know, making uh, $10 an hour, whatever the hell they're making. And they're getting, you know, they're doing the best they can. They're not professional referees. 
and they make bad calls all the time. I mean, you just laugh about it. It's this is not this is not high school basketball. It's not even middle school basketball. You got to keep it in perspective. But here's part of the problem. When in our, you know, YMCA that that uh, I work with, I think it's $99 for the season. Like, okay, very reasonable. Very reasonable for the facilities and coaching and all this stuff, especially for the coaching. I mean, you get me for a coach for 99 bucks for the season. What a bargain. Uh, <laughs> gets what you pay for. <laughs> back, back right there. But um, but it's, it's a great environment to play. And you get the gyms and, and whatnot. It's great. So, but they're, we're talking about, you know, there are volleyball leagues that, you know, cost $5,000 a year, $10,000, for for hockey leagues and travel teams and all these things. And I think when these parents spend so much money, they feel like they have the right to ridicule, publicly scorn officials and coaches because they're paying so much money. It was never, I don't, youth sports was never meant for this, folks. This is, we have gotten way off track. We're, we've professionalized 11-year-old basketball. That's wrong. That is wrong. And we now have uh, data that tells us 70% of kids quit youth sports by the time they're 13 years old. 70%. That's, that's a horrific number because I believe sports is so important to developing a youngster on so many levels, even if you're not a great athlete, being part of a team, being being coached, being having to have responsibilities to to get your you know for a, of your uniform, to go to practice, to be there on time, to be a good teammate, um, you know, to try hard, to be physically fit, to use your body physically fit. Just sitting around playing video games ain't where it's at, folks. For kids, so I think I think playing sports is a very very important part of your youth. And if 13% or 70% at the age of 13 are quitting youth sports, that's a horrible trend. And I think part of that is by the time you get to be 12 or 13, every league now becomes this uber competitive, you know, high priced league. Yeah. You know, some of these kids feel like, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not going for a scholarship. I'm not doing it. So they get intimidated that they can't play anymore. And that's bad. Right. And I and I I have a lot of experience with this because I'm a lot closer to the or I'm not, I'm a lot closer removed from the sports right you sports scene obviously than when you played yeah. and I'm sure it was right. very different back then. Yes. But from my from my experience, you know, I, I played as many sports as I could until basically they tell you and they basically force you into it, which I don't think is great. You get to yeah. like eleven, twelve and they tell you, Yeah, you need to drop doing it, you need to stop playing this sport. You need to figure out which one you're best at, and you need to devote all your time into that. That's and I, that's and I think, ridiculous. And I think that 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 time for me came when I was like 12, I think, and I had to give up baseball. Like, who wants to give up baseball when they're 12 years old? You know, but they like force you to do it. And the seasons, you know, back in the day, I used to know that, and my dad used to tell me this all the time. You know, the seasons for like football, baseball, soccer were all different. Yeah. And now they all kind of run parallel, and they put you in that box of yeah. you have to do one thing. And I don't think that's good for anybody. It leads to no. burnout. Uh, I think another problem is, and this is a, a parent thing. I think a lot of ki- a lot of parents. I saw this all the time. It's like they see their kid do something, you know, really good in a game or in a practice, and all of a sudden, I, and I'm using a soccer, it's like they think they have the next Messi on their hand. Yeah, and they get so involved in it, yeah. and they become like the spokesman for their kid and everything. Of like, he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing this, and it's like. 
the kid is never really taken into account for what he wants to do. Right. Right? And again, it leads to burnout. And I think that's why a lot of kids stop playing at a point because they just get, it just gets too hectic. And, and then it comes to the price of it as well. You mentioned the that's, YMCA, and that's a great deal. But yeah. as you said, once you get to that age, 11, 12, 13, they jam it down your throat. You have to play travel. You have to play competitive. Right. Well, guess right. what? 10 years ago when I was playing travel soccer, that price was probably around $700, $800, I think, for the whole, for the whole yeah. year. Yeah. I looked this morning of the same league that I played in. That's up to 1500 now. That's crazy. That's, and that's soccer. And by the way, that has a di- and by the crazy. way, that's soccer. That has a direct effect on what the national team and the quality of yeah. soccer in this country ends up being. That's right. Because you price out so much of the markets in the United States when you make it a yeah. blue collar sport like that, which soccer never or not a blue collar, a what's the word? White Whatever. collar, white collar. There you go. Yeah. When you make it a white collar sport, which it's not that. Yeah. It's a ball. All you need is a ball. That's the most beautiful yeah. thing about it. Yeah. But they made it a white collar sport, so it has a direct effect to what you see when you when when it gets to the adult league. So the whole system sucks. Okay. Long story yeah. short, the whole system sucks for all yeah, the it's reasons broken. I just pointed out. It's broken. It really is. And fifteen hundred dollars to play soccer. I mean, what are you paying for? I mean, the fields. Uh, it's. Come on, that's crazy. The coaching, you know, I think a lot of this is you get the, you know, there's a lot of people that are in this for profit now, big time, big time. And I've, I've, my kids didn't play volleyball, but evidently the volleyball structure in Tampa Bay is one that one person owns all of these different leagues. It's like a cartel. There's no really options. Your daughter wants to play volleyball. You got to get involved in this, this Tampa Bay league. And it's, it's run by, you know, one, one entity. And if you don't like it, you know, it's $500 tryouts. Yeah. <laughs> $500 tryouts. Yeah, I'm paying money to try out for your team. $5,000, like- you know, to be in the league. And if you don't like your coach situation that you're assigned to, tough, you know, crap, either take it or leave it. If you don't, if your kid quits, you ain't getting the money back. You know, it's just, I mean, you're, there's horror stories about it that, that I've been told. And it's crazy. And I mean, that's not what youth sports was meant to be. And just think about the, the message that you're sending to your kid. Like, trust me, if you're, if you're cutting a check for five grand, your kids know about it. Your kids are going to know about it one way or another. They're going to find out that's pressure that puts pressure on them to like, Oh, I have to perform. I mean, that's a lot of money that my family's spending on this. I have to perform. That's not what, you know, sports is meant to be youth sports. So, you know, I think we have a lot of issues with, with the cost of these things, um, you know, the setup of these things, you've got certain situations in travel spots where, you know, a high school coach will kind of own like the travel league around his area. And it becomes known that if you're not in his travel league where, you know, you're paying 500 bucks, you know, a thousand bucks a season, not a year, a season to get on that team, just to get on the team before you even start paying for travel. You know, I had a, a father come to me and tell me his kid was like one of the best players you know of that group like made all stars every year but by the time he got to about 12 years old you know he had to, he had to go into this system right this travel system and it, he didn't have the money you know he didn't have you know $1500 a season to pay for baseball so his kid you know in the end couldn't make the high school baseball team because you know he wasn't in the in the group he wasn't in the group he wasn't on the travel team 
that kind of fed into that particular high school. That's yeah. wrong. Yeah, it, it's it's, wrong. it's a big thing in high school baseball that if you're not on like a travel team yeah. and you go to try out for a high school baseball team, I mean, they pretty much will tell you straight to your face. I mean, you've yeah. got no business being out here. Right. Did you go through that? I mean, did I you? didn't play. I didn't play baseball at the travel level, so I never did had you to try do out that. for a high school team. No, no, I because I had to stop playing baseball when I was twelve. I had to focus on soccer, and that never came up because I played travel soccer. Which did you want to play more? Mom's listening; she's going to be very upset. <laughs> um, well, I, I grew up in a baseball family, right? As you know, so did I you want been... to keep playing baseball? Ah. <sighs> I think for me, I probably stopped because I just wasn't progressing enough. But I was also loving soccer more. Right, okay. So I, I concentrated on soccer. So my situation was a little different. But, yeah, yeah, I did do that. But it was the same thing for soccer. If you didn't play travel soccer, you were, like, not in the click. And a lot of these things, when you're that age, it's all about the clicks that you run in. Right. Yeah, I, I just – I don't think that's right. And I think the pressure that's put on these kids is way too much. There's got to be some alternatives. Um, and, and I think there are some non-competitive – you know – quote, non-competitive leagues, and that needs to exist. Low, you know, low level, uh, you know, not no, hundreds I, of dollars. I, I played, I started playing soccer at church, at a church yeah. league. Yeah. It had to have been like what you said, a hundred bucks maybe. Yeah. And you and get the basics out of it yeah. and it's fun. Yeah. It's, it starts as co-ed and gets more, prog- more challenging as it goes on. Like it doesn't have, it just depends what you want out of it, I guess. Yeah. But a lot, the problem is that the parents kind of make those decisions without, judging where their kid is from a development standpoint. Yeah. I'd love to hear from you guys in the comments. Um, you know, what your experiences have been with youth sports, uh, positive and negative, because I think, you know, I grew up in youth sports. Like that was my, my, my dad left when I was, was young. So my youth sports was kind of my way. I went to a practice every day after school, whether it was, you know, in middle school, it was, you know, basketball team, or then, you know, was the, the local, you know, rotary, uh, rotary baseball team or, or football team, something like that guy was constantly playing sports and it wasn't, it's, you never felt like it was like this professional type deal. You know, it was very um, recreational type stuff. And the kids that were better got on the all-star teams and, and, and did progress that way. And then when you got to high school, you know, you went out for your high school team and it, there was no, you know, Oh, were you on the travel team or any of that stuff? You just went out there and you tried out and the best, yeah. best kids made and the I, team. But I, and I also think, you know, it also has devalued, I think, the the high school system of sports. I don't think high school sports is no longer like the it thing. Yeah. You know, especially like it, we talk about, you know, NBA culture, especially. It's all about these AAU tournaments. It, nobody gives a damn where you went to high school at when you're, an, when you're uh, an NBA college basketball prospect. You get known by going to these AAU tournaments. And guess right. what? That stuff costs money. If you haven't yeah, it figured does. it out, it's all just like a money scheme, yeah. essentially. Just for you to show out oh. in these like one-on-one well, AAU tournaments, it's well, the same thing these football, travel. these seven-on-seven tournaments yeah, with no yeah. pads, and that's going to yeah. tell me who the better player is. Like, right. yeah, I don't know. The whole thing just yeah. it gets me, and, and it, you know, and it goes up to you know to college sports now with the the twelve-team playoff that was just announced. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. Um, you know, Brett McMurphy put out a tweet that the other was the Oregon State AD that was in these meetings said that the SEC uh, put forward a um, a motion that they that the SEC get four automatic bids in the twelve <laughs> in the twelve team playoff, which when you think about it, that's probably what because the, the bias towards them always being top ranked teams, you know they're probably going to be in the top seven rankings anyway. So you're going to have um, the five highest ranked conference champions get automatic bids, 
and and I guess that's all conferences, right? The, of the D1 conferences um, or F- FBS conferences. Doesn't matter if it's well, AAC or, or whatever, but you have to be in the top five ranking. So the college football playoff selection committee is still going to play a very big role in well, this. And if it's the same people, then it's then it's corrupt. I went back to read the tweet. It actually is even worse than you think. It's not just the SEC. Right. It would it proposed the Big Ten as well. Yeah. yeah. On top of that, so the Big Ten and the SEC would get eight. Eight, eight of the twelve. If I'm reading that correctly. Yes. yes. Eight of the twelve. That's that's and then, what they proposed. And that their leaves two, it to their two their two conference champions would get the automatic bids, and then they would get six at large. Right, and then that would leave four bids remaining for seven conferences, plus Notre Dame, who is you know the yeah. big winner in all this. Right. Um, they might. Here's the thing: it's like the new SEC and the new Big Ten. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that those aren't the two best conferences in college football, regardless of how we feel about what happened this year with the snub and all that. Those yeah. are the two best conferences. Now they yeah. are. I don't think the Big Ten was that last year, like everybody kept saying. But now right. that they've added some of this, you know, the Oregon's, all those guys in there, I think it is better. Like, they might just earn that on their own. Like, if they right. earned it on their own, I have no problem with it. But just just saying it out loud, like, okay, these are the two best conferences, so without even the, seeing the game being played, we're just going to automatically give them eight bids. Yeah. At yeah. that point, just it, just go to a 12-team playoff of the SEC and the Big Ten and tell everybody right. to screw off and go home. Exactly. Exactly. That's how I read that. It's the yeah. arrogance of these conferences, man. Well, it's a money grab. It's all a money grab. You know, they, the more the, and I don't know how they're going to set up the payments of, you know, how, how the, how the money works. There was no mention of that, un, you know, unfortunately, or, and, and that's not a surprise. Like, where's the money going for the playoff? Like how much is ESPN paying for the playoff? Is Fox going to get involved in this? I think there should be more than one carrier because clearly when ESPN is the only carrier, um, they have more political power to, to put, the college football playoff committee, which is a joke and, and try to act like it's some autonomous body, which it is not clearly. Um, so yeah, I, I want, and I, and I want this in the sunshine. I, there is no reason to have closed doors when they're debating this stuff. Why it's college football. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, we should know who's, who's doing what. And if, you know, I hear this, well, you know, there'll be death threats on people if they don't vote. Look, you know, first of all, nobody's killing anybody over these selections. Um, if if they if somebody's doing that, they're crazy. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna do something wrong anyway. They're that that person needs to be locked up. That's a whole different issue. But if you if you don't if you're not thick skin enough to be on the committee that you're gonna get heat, then don't do it. Nobody you know, nobody's asking you to, you know making you do it. Don't do it. We can find twelve mentally tough people or ten mentally tough people. And I'm tired of the AD people on this thing or any of these political appointees they either coaches or players I'm, I'm tired of the administrators you don't know what you're doing you're just corrupt people that have been paid off before sorry well i have no interest in that whatsoever this should be about football what happens on the field and nothing more why why have any ad as part of this college football selection committee please explain that to me we're talking when it's supposed to be about football why are there athletic directors and other people ancillary uh connections to college football that are on this committee ridiculous coaches and players that's all i got and the other the other thing that came out of this thing yesterday that just boggles my mind is the discussions about making it a 14 team playoff already starting in 2026 we haven't even had the 12 team playoff 
And they're trying to, like, figure out this starting in the 2026 season. And in the article that was on ESPN from Pete Thamel and Heather Dinich, it sounds like officials walked away uh, feeling that they they made some momentum uh, towards that. Like, (laughs) at what point is enough enough? Like, I think we all could agree that four, for the most part, was probably not enough. Yeah. Okay, I think we were all on board. And then it was like, well, why don't we do eight? Well, then it became 12. And now it's 14. You know what's going to keep happening? It's well, like... Here, here's the it, thing, Nick. It, it's not so much about, oh, if we have t- four, are we? is that enough to find the best team in the nation? Well, normally it is, actually. Sometimes it is. Like, college yeah. football is not college basketball. Yeah. Right. Okay? There's no, there's no 64 seed if you made this 64 teams like the tournament. A 64 right. team is not knocking out number one. Okay? If you, I even looked at the poll. If you did a 14-team playoff based on last year... You think Penn State had any chance of hell of sticking with Georgia yeah. or any of these top teams last year or Oklahoma State or Oklahoma? Like, I mean, or come Liberty. on. Liberty, you know, Liberty would have been included. At in some that. point, it's like, I don't need to see these games. Right. I know what's going to happen. But the part of the, the problem is if you only have four teams, there's only three games that matter in the postseason. Right. That's Nothing the, that else was the problem. Was, that was the problem with the 14 exactly. postseason. Yeah, there's only three games that bowls that matter, and nobody plays in the other ones. Even the Orange Bowl, nobody cared. Nobody cared. So you've got to have a postseason that people are actually watching. So you've got to have more teams to do that. I think that's the biggest thing with this postseason tournament. It's not – I mean, do I really believe that, you know, the 11th, you know, uh, ranked team has a chance to beat the number one ranked team in a playoff? Probably not. And there's certainly – and that 11th ranked team or 12th ranked team is not going to win three games to win a national championship against much better competition. Yeah, and here's the that's thing. Not that's what I'm saying. You're asking those schools, even under the 12 team, like, okay, Notre Dame doesn't have to play a conference championship game. Cool. To get in, that's a, that's a benefit to them. Right. But you're asking a team like that, and let's say they already have two or three losses on their resume, but they're the tw- number 12 team in the in the land. You're asking them to win four games right. in a postseason. Yeah. So... It's That's more than happen. some NFL teams have to win. <laughs> right. I mean, it's right. crazy. But I just think at some point you got to stop. Like, let's get to 12. Let's see how it goes. We don't need any talks about 14 right. before this gets just completely out of hand. Yeah. And, and as far as the other bowl games go, I mean, now we've got all these games now. So what is it going to be with, with 12 teams? I think you got what? You have um, four games the opening weekend, four, two, one now. Is that what it is? Because you have eight. Yeah, four. To one, yeah, so and there's other maybe the other bowl games move to the beginning of the season because this, these you know, these, these games that nobody's playing in, you know, what is the point of that? Like, it's just it's a farce, it's a farce. There's got to be some way to put meaning into those players or use all the revenue to pay the players to play in the game and stop, you know, just giving it to the schools. You pay the players to play in these in these other bowl games and maybe they'll play. Uh, otherwise, they're just meaningless exhibitions. They're like spring football games. Nobody's right, and, that, and that's how I'm going to treat them. I, I care yeah, less exactly. about the results of any of them. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Brian Bradley's going to join us from Amelie Arena as the Bolts get set to take on the Capitals tonight. It's uh, ESPN's Hockey Night. It'll be uh, featured nationwide, globally, uh, the Lightning broadcast. So uh, we'll talk to Brian Bradley and see where he thinks this Lightning team is at right now. Three-minute break. Stay with us.
JP here for the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S. Call for a free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. We're local, we're trusted. The law firm brings over 80 years of combined legal experience focusing on clients in Tampa Bay, the state of Florida, and national class action cases. If you're injured, get that free case evaluation, no cost to you. The Jeeves Law Group's focus is on auto, truck, and motorcycle accidents, as well as class action and consumer protection law. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. You hear him on the show all the time. Great guy, big Gator fan, and great for the community. The Jeeves Law Group is a highly skilled team with years of experience that will apply their skills, expertise, and knowledge to assist individuals who have been in an accident with compensation for damages, lost wages, medical expenses, pain and suffering, and property damage. Get that free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again. Once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rates, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done. And guess what? She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work. She did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money. And that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up. 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means if you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them uh, to help you out in both those regards. It will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance, 813-877-7799. Start the new year with a new diamond from the Gold and Diamond Source. It's still engagement season. Where better to get that special ring than the Gold and Diamond Source? Of course, I just got mine there. I'm engaged. You should do the same thing. Let's go. Gold and Diamond Source has the largest selection of engagement rings in the country. A literal jewelry superstore with 30 times the inventory of any normal jeweler. And if you have a loved one or a special person in your life who has a birthday this month, maybe you have an anniversary coming up you can get 15% off the January birthstone which is garnet as in garnet and gold for all your Seminoles celebrate that mythical national championship and it's the golden diamond sources 40th anniversary for the past 40 years they have taken pride in offering only natural diamonds formed over billions of years from the earth's incredible forces and gold prices are at an all-time high now's your chance to turn your jewelry box into a cash machine it's the perfect time to trade in your broken or unworn pieces for something new and stunning. It's the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Omerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on FanStream Sports. This is The Strike. 1025 WHPT, HD2 Sarasota, Tampa, St. Pete. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show. You, you, you know, you never know what you're going to find on Twitter. Um, I'm you know, scared already. You no, know, that's this is actually a, a kind of funny thing. I'll retweet this. Um, so it's 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 a kid. He looks like uh, he's probably about eight nine years old, maybe ten. And it's like a high school basketball game, and they're doing like the the high school the, the little four shot challenge where you do layup, 
free throw, three point, and then half court. Like this kid's so small. I don't even know how he got the ball to the rim in half court. And um, <laughs> he made all four in a row and he won $10,000. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. See how small this kid is? What is he? What do you think? 10 years old, maybe? Is he shooting from an NBA three point line? Yeah. Wait, yeah. Hold on. Hold no. on. He went past half court. I'm at the part where he's hitting a half quarter. All right. Yeah. So he hits a three. Oh, he, he goes, threw it over. Oh, my gosh. He threw a bullet with one hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just. <laughs> Nothing but net, man. Nothing but net. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait till uh, his parents take the entire thing from him. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, do you have Bradley on? Um, on, uh, no, on I haven't phone? been able to connect with him yet. All right. Let me. So. Uh, let me see if I can see. He's, he says he's clicked in, and I don't see him. So maybe I maybe I sent him the wrong link. Let me let me try to do that one more time. Uh, so you can you can entertain the people here for a little second while I while I get this done. Entertain the people. Yeah. Tell them tell them something about uh, wrestling that's going on. I don't know. Lonnie Lonnie actually uh, he chimed in. He said, "Did you see how jacked Randy is now?" I assume you are talking about Randy Orton, Lonnie. Yes, he is jacked. And by no, the I way, think he's talking about Randy Orozarena. Oh, Randy Orozarena. Oh, yeah. my goodness. See, my wrestling mind, I can't even shut it off. My goodness. Yeah, both yeah. Randys are jacked. But I was going to take that time to mention that you are going to catch me, JP, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday to watch the next pay-per-view. Mm. It is in Perth, Australia, and I'm going to wake up that early. What? that is when it starts. The Elimination okay. Chamber pay-per-view. It's the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania. And I'm going to get up that early to watch it in Perth, Australia. Perth, Australia? Yep. Perth, Australia. Uh, well, that, that, you know who else is in Australia right now? Who? <clears throat> Travis. Seeing his girl in Sydney, Travis Kelsey. So so they, uh, is this the season in Australia that they get all the big concerts and, and wrestling and all that stuff? I guess so. I guess so. This one's been planned for a while, though. They're like they're doing a show in Paris too, right after Mania, pay per view. They're going to all of these countries. So, yeah. good times. Uh, Lonnie said, "I need thoughts on the Rays' new batting practice hat with the old TB logo. That thing is a thing of beauty. The a what? Thing of beauty. The Rays got a new batting practice hat this week. Oh, the and not the yellow one? No, not the yellow one. This one is actually." Heat. I actually have a picture of it right here. I'm going to pull it up. All right. This is the batting practice hat, like a helmet or a hat? This is a hat. Is it bright yellow? Let me see this thing. No. Uh. Look at that thing. Oh, that's sweet. See, that's, that's a nice hat. That's the retro logo with the, uh, the blue. Yeah. And we got Fred in the background taking a swing. I love that. Yeah, it's that easy. Don't okay, yeah. don't, don't buy that yellow. This. Don't buy that yellow monstrosity. Don't don't buy yeah, that thing. That's awful. That is awful. Yeah, no, no good. Um, all right, hey, let's take a break and we'll see if we can get Brian hooked up on the phone because I think we're having an issue with the Streamyard. So uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get uh, Brian Bradley to talk a little hockey here with your Tampa Bay Lightning. We're brought to you by Italiano Insurance, folks. Eight one three eight seven seven seventy seven ninety nine. Get that insurance checkup to save you thousands of dollars. They do all the work. You save all the money, whether it's auto insurance, homeowner's insurance. If your homeowner's insurance has gone gone up, let them shop it around. See if they can uh, get you right. 
813-877-7799. Stay with us. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S. Call for a free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. We're local, we're trusted. The law firm brings over 80 years of combined legal experience focusing on clients in Tampa Bay, the state of Florida, and national class action cases. If you're injured, get that free case evaluation, no cost to you. The Jeeves Law Group's focus is on auto, truck, and motorcycle accidents, as well as class action and consumer protection law. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. You hear him on the show all the time. Great guy, big Gator fan, and great for the community. The Jeeves Law Group is a highly skilled team with years of experience that will apply their skills, expertise, and knowledge to assist individuals who have been in an accident with compensation for damages, lost wages, medical expenses, pain and suffering, and property damage. Get that free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. He also has a law degree from Stetson. So if Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom, you want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging marketing and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again. Once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rates, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done, and guess what? She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work she did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money. And that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up. 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means if you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them... Uh, to help you out in both those regards. It will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance, 813-877-7799. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on FanStream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here. Um, we're, uh, we had a couple 
couple issues getting Brian Bradley hooked up, uh, and he's got another event he's got to go to. So we'll catch up with him at another time. Um, but uh, don't forget, it's Lightning in Capitals tonight. Um, the Lightning, they called up Cole Kepke. I'm not sure if he's going to be playing tonight, but uh, we'll, we'll see what, what the what – the, lineup spring this evening, but um, I would expect a very spirited response from the Lightning uh, after these two straight home losses and with back-to-back games on the road coming up this weekend. they got to get these two points. Um, as John Cooper said, it is playoff time. It is playoff time. So, I said that going into Ottawa. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I look like I had, egg, I had egg on my face. I had egg yeah, on my face. Thank you, Lightning, for that one. Yeah, I may I may have made a little wager in, in that feeling that Abbasi would come back with a shutout, but um didn't happen. But I did hit the under on the lightning game and the over on the Carolina uh game. So that was a nice little nice little hard rock parlay. Thank you very much. Um all right, to some of the comments here before we um uh, Corey Long's gonna join us at eleven thirty. And um wanna get into a couple other things that we haven't talked about yet today. By the way, these hats run a small size. So you can't even get the right size anymore. Is that Fanatics at it again? You bet it. Yeah. My goodness. On the Fanatics thing, did by the way, it just gets worse. Did you see the uh the photo of Otani yesterday? Uh which one? They they did like his um his like headshot and like full body shot or whatever, like uh the what do you call it? Like you know the uh the portraits or whatever they yeah. do for all yeah. the players, all that? Yeah. And they posted it and all everybody can focus on is the fact that the pants, the new pants, are see-through. They are legit see-through pants. What do you mean see-through? I'm gonna try to find the uh, the photo here. I, to show I, you. I don't want I don't want see-through pants. <laughs> yeah, the ladies the pants may are see-through. want see-through pants, but I'm they, not interested in see-through pants. They look like five dollar. Actually, will be very exciting. Yeah, they look like five dollar pants, and they're see-through. And then the belt loop—it's not like a regular like belt loop. It looks just very very goofy. On top of everything, it's awful. The Again, whole uniform is doing? awful. What are we doing? Like, just regular baseball is crisp white uniforms are fantastic. Like, what are we doing? They've ruined everything, JP. They've ruined everything. Uh, John Hill says forty-four ago, years ago today marks the miracle on ice. That's interesting. Um, Four years already. So February twenty-two. By the way, happy birthday to the lovely Ashley. Two twenty-two um, is Ashley's birthday. So happy birthday, honey. Also, George Washington's birthday. Also, Gigi Fernandez's birthday, as you know. Yes. So, happy birthday to to all of them, including you, George, turning over in his grave. So, put that uniform up there. So, uh, here we go. this is... Look at those see-through pants. Is that just not shadowing, or that's no, just... No, 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 like, that's, that's, that's the jersey. That's the jersey going underneath him. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> And look what? at the belt loop. Look at that belt loop. What is that? What is that? It's like a, what are the, what do they call it? Is a parallelogram or whatever? I know. Yeah. <laughs> up here in front, it looks like he's wearing like chaps almost. Like, what are we doing? What? It's is awful. that an LA thing? It's all, no, this is every jersey. It's awful. Everything, everything's bad about it. That is, yeah, that is now, bad. Like the players union isn't actively involved, by the way. That was the newest thing that came out yesterday from the athletic. The players union is involved in this because, there is not a single player that is like impressed by these things. My, and of my, course for fans, they're charging you like crazy ass prices to, to, to get this stuff. Yeah. That's, that's, but you, we used to have these old baseball jerseys that were, they were kind of, uh, they were heavy, like heavy cotton. And, and it wasn't, but it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't make you hot. And we had, um, 
they were sleeveless. Like they were sleeveless, and then you wore the undershirt, the other color undershirt, and uh, and then you had just the just the the top. It was nice, nice, nice uniform. Very, you know, two tone. Really, really cool. Love those things. Um, uh, all right, a couple other things we want to get to. USF basketball wins last night at UTSA. Um, they were down late to a team that they have no business being down late to. You you expected a little bit. Of a, of a lull after that big win against FAU. So they go on the road, um, they fall down late, but they end up winning, I think, by six points. So no problem. They get the win. They got SMU coming in on Sunday, um, still on a run. That's 12 in a row in the conference. Um, they're, they're on their way to winning this conference championship. But they, it, again, late in the game, this team knows how to win. You know, these are, these are games that people lose all the time in college basketball. You go on the road, little hostile, hostile environment, you know, league leader coming in and uh, you just, you know, you kind of lay an egg, but even right. when, even when they're not shooting at their best, they find ways to win games. That's a mark of a good team. Yeah. They shot four of 23 from yeah. three, from, from three in that yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, that's 17.4%. Typically you're going to lose those games. You, right. You, they, typically they, you're going to lose that game. Exactly. They got out rebounded as well. Like, that's a recipe for losing a game in college basketball. And you're on the road on top of that, coming off a very emotional victory at home. And they still managed to go on a 12-2 run, I think it was, to close it out. Like, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. they don't play their best basketball. And I know it's UTSA, and you probably shouldn't be in that situation to begin with. But still, I mean, a win's a win's a win's a win. That's really all that matters. Um, they're starting to get their respect nationally. Like, Abdur, Amir Abdur-Brahim, he's the slam dunk coach of the year in that conference there's no doubt about that well maybe um, even nationally yeah I was gonna say I think he's got to be at least up for the award nationally if there's any justice in that in that award yeah in my opinion for what he's doing um, and then they're also I think they got 30-ish around their AP poll votes this yeah. time around so they're, yeah, inching they're closer. just under the two, top 25 yeah yeah which you know at the end of the day just win your conference again it won't matter what the rankings are but it would be cool to see it though yeah, I'm just I'm worried that this team, you know, what if they fall, you know, by two points at the buzzer to FAU and you know they're sitting there at twenty-two and, and six, and twenty-three and six, and they and they don't get into dance. That's that's gonna be bananas. That's gonna be bananas. Um it would help them if Florida State would go on a run because that would make the win over Florida State yeah. look better. Have fun with so, that. but that's not gonna happen. What's that? I that said that that's just not going to happen. Florida State's no. not a good basketball team. Although Z said they went to a little bit of a different lineup the other day uh, and played much better against uh, Boston College, but uh, they just, you know, again, it, it's a team that that lacks scoring in the clutch. Um, they don't run good offensive sets. They're always great defensively, and they wear you down with their with their depth. But this year they've had a lot of injuries, so that depth is not really there. And when you can't score in the clutch, you, you yeah. just can't win big games, especially in the ACC. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see them doing anything in the tournament either. I think Coach uh, Coach Ham to me feels like it, there might be an expiration date coming. Yeah. I, I really do think so. It's been tough the last few years. Yeah, yeah. you know, it sucks. I, I hate that. The COVID the, team was the best team in the yeah, nation. That was the best team he ever had. And he never got yeah. to see what it looked like. Yeah, in the tournament. That's – yeah. That's too bad, but yeah, it's it's yeah, you know. Yeah, it's whereas on stale. Yeah, whereas so so like just quick little stock watch, I guess. So USF obviously stock up, way up. FAU is still even though even though they're not ranked anymore, still stock is up. Yep. FSU is stock down. 
Florida uh, lost in OT last night was, at Alabama. Yeah. I was going to get to Florida huge. though. That would have been a yeah. big win, but they are, they've been playing really well and yeah, they can score. There, yeah. I think they're I think they're a sneaky team. Like if they get in the tournament, I think they're going to get in the tournament regardless. Yeah. But yeah. if yeah, they're yeah. like a seven seed, six seed, eight, like one of those, I think they could scare some people in the tournament because they can yeah. really score. No, absolutely. Uh, Clayton and Clayton's a hell of a player. We there. won't we won't talk about my UCF basketball team. I mean, yeah, I don't think we, we peaked. We peaked already. We got our win over Kansas and we dipped. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You get those big wins and then you got to follow it up, and that's what USF's been able to do. Right, is just keep winning. And, you know, but I think there, I think unfortunately with their metrics, I think they're still what in the high nineties or, or the mid nineties in terms of um, their metric number or whatever the hell those are. And I they used to have the, the, the power keep rankings. Track of the, the college basketball, like how they do it. I'm telling you with like all these quads and everything they call yeah. them. Yeah. I can't, I don't understand. Quad one, quad two, win, quad three. Yeah. And it makes sense to me here. How does the Mountain West, like I like the bracketology over at On3 we have, and this has been pretty consistent with all of them, has the Mountain West getting six teams in this tournament, and the ACC is only getting four. That doesn't like, make any is sense. Is the ACC oh. like that bad this year? Yeah. They're not good. They're not good. Yeah, they they haven't they haven't had a lot of outside, I don't think a lot of success outside the conference. So, um, yeah, I, um this college basketball just is so, and I want to talk a little bit about this because Nick Saban sounded off yesterday about this, about college, college football, especially, but just college sports in general. And he flat out said what, you know, what we've been saying for a long time, but coming from Nick Saban, it actually means something. <laughs> said, the, um, the term student athlete just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, that's a sobering thought. Claiming student athletes no longer exist is a sobering thought, but it's exactly, it's a fact. And he knows it and he knows it is and that's what I've been telling you for years and years and years. But, um, you know, a coach of his uh, stature cannot come out and say that until he's no longer in the game. Right. It's, it's, it needs to be fixed. Um, and I even, you know, postulated that to Brett yesterday, you know, it, I would love to see Nick Saban, Saban become the czar of college football or college sports in that uh, realm. Um, you know, football just basically, and probably basketball as well. The, the money has just gotten so big in terms of television that you, it, it, you've got to run it like a professional sport. And, you know, and, and we've grown up in this whole system of uh, our colleges being these huge athletic programs that are feeders to uh, professional place. It, it's not like that in other parts of the world. Like, <laughs> it's not, right. you know, Cambridge is not a professional feeding ground you know, for the, uh, the soccer teams in the premier league, you know, it's not, it's not the way it works. They don't use their higher learning institutions and maybe their rowing team, um, uh, but they don't use their higher learning institutions to be farm leagues for big professional leagues. It just, this kind of just morphed into that here in the United States, you know, and a lot of positive has come of it, but, but now it's like, it is what it is. You can't have these, these players, generating all this revenue and not pay them. And that's why the NIL is, is, is where it has become what it is. And it's the wild, wild West. So, you know, but the problem is how do you blow it up now when you've got, you know, how many division one universities, 250, you know, and then when you're talking about football, just an FBS, there's probably a top 85 to 95 that, that actually, you know, can, can play in the top division. And maybe it's even less than that. Maybe there needs to be a separation between the wake forests and the Florida States. Um, 
you know, just because there's, even though Wake Forest beat Florida State, what, three out of four years? So those, you know, there are years when, you know, it's cyclical for these bigger. So I think those lower teams like Wake Forest have a place in this bigger mesh of college football. And if if Nick Saban were to be the czar, um, you know, what would he do with college football? I think it would be very interesting to see. And I think I think what you would have is 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 kind of a professional model of of what it looks like. It's an NFL team, an NFL setup with ninety six teams or whatever it's going to be, and 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 separate them over the conferences, redo them geographically like they used to be, and that's not have the teams from the West Coast with the in, in the ACC. That's just ridiculous, and put it back to what the way it used to be in these regional rivalries put everything into one big bucket and then dole it out like the, like the NFL does. I mean, that seems the, to me about the only thing you can do at this point. I don't see anybody putting the genie back in, in the bottle, I guess, as the saying goes at this point. I mean, you have all these different media rights deals. I mean, the Florida state's deal is, is part of the, you know, the issue. Yeah, It's just, there's so many things because of, of what they've allowed in the last three years, what they allow and what they, what they decide to, and I'm talking about the NCAA now, what they deem as, like the whole Florida State thing, for example, in Tennessee with the violations and stuff with NIL and their collectives and all that. I mean, just the cherry, it's like they're cherry picking, you know? They enforce their own rules here, and but they don't reforce, enforce them in other places because you can't convince me that Florida State and Tennessee were the only two programs doing stuff like that. Right. And no. when, you even, when you even look at what they did, it's like you probably go, really, that's it? Like, none of it really makes sense to me, but... This is kind of the uh, the culture they've adopted. The NCAA has is like probably the most powerless like governing body or whatever you want to call them at this point over an entity that I've probably ever seen. Um, they completely have no spine over anything. And yep. I mean, there was two ways to look at it though, and especially because the issue now is with coaches, you know, leaving the college game and going to the NFL. Even like a Jeff Halfley took a job from Boston. Boston College is not a great job, right. but he actually has done a pretty solid job there. Yeah, and. He takes a defensive coordinator job for the Packers just out of nowhere yeah. and says, listen, I want to coach again. And there's a lot of guys say that now. It's like, we're not even coaches anymore. Yeah, they're like, not. It's just not. Yeah. Uh, but there's two ways to look at it. Because then I see yesterday, Kenny Dillingham, the head coach at uh, Arizona State, I don't know if you saw this quote, and he, he, had, he was asked about all the college coaches complaining, you know, about all the new things they have to do. And he said, I, I spent nine years of my life doing anything to become a coffee boy. So don't give me the, oh, it's hard to be a coach right now. Yeah, it's hard. Then quit. Was his, <laughs> and, and maybe that's, well, you Go know, do something you want to do. Yeah, you want to coach football? Go to the NFL. That's fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kenny's younger, though, and I don't think he's had the experiences of some of these other coaches right. that have been doing it for a while, and now they're being asked to do completely yes. different. Like Nick Saban. You think Nick Saban wants to deal with this stuff at 72 no. years old? Hell no. No, so I think it's a different perspective coming from Kenny Dillingham Dillingham as a younger head coach, whereas these older guys, they just want to coach ball. And the the other part of it is just not the NIL. It's it's the empowerment of the player. You know, if we're being honest, Nick Saban, if we're being honest, the biggest problem now is the empowerment of the player. The The player now has power to transfer whenever he wants, to get money, and he's they've got a lot more power. They have options where, you know, in Nick's day, they didn't really have options. You know, players had right. to sit out a year. You couldn't transfer from one SEC school to another. And if you did go want to transfer, you know, Nick was not very happy about it. You were blackballed as soon as you, you know, entered the transfer portal. They cleaned out your locker. 
you know, it's, it's not cool. It wasn't, it wasn't, and it's just not cool. And so he didn't want to deal with that. If we're being completely honest, he can talk about, you know, student athletes, not being student athletes. And that's part of it because they got money now and they have options and it's not as easy to control players and teach them the things that they need to be taught um, hard lessons when they have options to leave. And that's, and I think he sees the writing on the wall that it's very difficult to coach in this current climate that way. And by the way, he still adjusted really well at it. He did. Listen, oh, just, that's this, what they this, do. The great mis- ones There's this misnomer out there that Alabama's just got this unlimited budget yeah. to throw around at people, and that's just not true. Yeah. It's really not. These players still bought into the whole Nick Saban ideology and the fact that the goal is to get to the NFL, and right. what's a better place to go than Alabama when you look at their track record? And also, Saban had such a power there at that university that the money that was coming forward, the, the donors and all the guys, the boosters, yep. felt empowered to give it to him Yes, because of what he had done. So he yeah, actually adjusted really well compared to so many other coaches is the thing. But I think eventually, as you get older, he just was like, this is just it's too much. Yeah, as the playing field leveled out, you know, with NIL and the money at other schools and he was losing players, he's like, yeah, this isn't as easy as it used to be. Um, time to, to, and he's 72 years old and I'm not disparaging him in any way. He's the greatest college coach other than coach Bobby Bowden, um, to ever, <laughs> to ever coach in the game. I understand more championships. I get it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just different. And, and he has every right to say, thank you, but no, thank you. I'll go work at ESPN. But again, I do think there needs to be some, as he said yesterday, some thunderbolt, that's going to come down and fix college football because you can't continue to operate like this. This is yeah. just, you know, it's not. I, I think they need to break away. I think college football needs to be its own thing from yeah. away from all the other athletics because it, yes. it's so unique. Yeah. Yeah. And the money is so big. It's so big. And then that money can, again, feed back into the universities. Um, but it's just, it's just silly to have these kids go to college and go to school and take up space in a room if they don't want to. If the college player wants to go to school, fine. Go to class, pay for it. It's all good. If you don't want to, if you just want to be a football player, then just be a football player. You know, just be a train and do what do what you have to do. You know, let's not, you know, go through these stupid hoops of having other kids take tests for kids to get them into college, which we've been doing for decades. You know, you know, massaging grade point averages to keep them eligible, all this other stuff. It's just silly. It's just silly. It's an old model. It's archaic. We need to just move on from that. And call it what it is. It's professional football at a lower level. That's all it is. And and pay the kids and 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 do it the right way. Keep the games on campus. You know, keep all the traditions. You can keep all that stuff, but you just you need to make it more of a uh, of a, a fair, equitable model for these kids that are producing this this product. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Corey Long's going to join us. He'll have a thought or two on uh, the new college football playoff and the new system. We'll talk some bolts with him as well as he covers them. We are brought to you by the great folks at our dynamic real estate duo of the Geddes Gordon Group and American Mortgage Services. Rates are coming down a little bit, so get with Scott Fitzgerald, our mortgage man, and he will uh, help you out in your personal finances, get everything straight for you, and help you get a mortgage. Get back in now before the rates go back to what they were, and everybody jumps back in, and the inventory goes crazy, and the prices go nuts. So smart people getting back into the real estate game right now. Uh, go to the gettusgordongroup.com to find that property. And then Scott Fitzgerald will help you get the mortgage at amstampa.com. Scott at amstampa.com. Back in three with Corey Long. Stay with us. 
JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. She also has a law degree from Stetson. So if Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom, you want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging marketing and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Is getting a home equity line a good idea right now with rates so high? Well, I put that question to my good friend Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services, and he says it all depends on where you're at financially. Many of us with ridiculous inflation have been charging up those credit cards, right, at 29% interest, hoping to catch up, but that ain't happening. Those interest payments are killing you. So yes, a consolidation loan and tapping into that crazy equity in your house is a great idea. That strategy can drop your monthly nut by thousands of dollars and stop wasting money on those interest payments. Fitz, the mortgage guy, has done thousands of loans for the past 25 years in Tampa Bay. Just did one for a former colleague who was a manager for a big bank mortgage division. He knows Scott is an independent broker and can get him a way better deal than at his own big bank. AMS Tampa has way lower overhead and gives you the savings. So if you're worried about fees and closing costs, have the free consultation with Scott and look at the actual numbers. It may shock you what he can do. Be smart. Stay one step ahead. Email Fitz at Scott at AMSTampa.com, Scott at AMSTampa, or call 813-294-7595. Scott Fitzgerald, MLS 386-722. American Mortgage Services, 1000 North Ashley Drive, Suite 1020. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on FanStream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here on this uh, Thursday as uh, the Lightning gets set to take on the Capitals tonight at Amelie Arena. It'll be a national game on ESPN. And covering it for NHL.com will be the great Corey Long, who joins us now. What's up, Corey? How are you? I'm doing well, J.P. How you doing? Well, I guess you're not on AT&T like Brian Bradley. I because Yeah, we, we, we couldn't get him on, but we got you. Thank God. So. Um, 
it's it's uh it's not good if you're on AT&T. Um sure. so we were, we were just uh kicking around a little bit of the college football stuff, but let's hit the the lightning stuff with you first. Um okay. becomes a pretty damn huge game tonight against the Capitals after two straight home losses and one to the last place team in the Atlantic Ottawa. Uh kind of a must win tonight for the Lightning. Um what have you seen in the last couple of games that that have you worried? Or um, are you worried? Well, I'm I'm far more. I'll put it this way: Monday was far more was far more for me discouraging than Saturday. As bad as the Saturday score was, it, you know those things can happen. Especially, you know, when I look at it, I thought the fourth goal of the Panthers scored was clearly goalie interference. There's nothing they can tell me that yeah. won't tell me that was goalie interference. I mean. Faragi tomahawk shot both Vasilevsky's glove. Vasilevsky <laughs> didn't sell it well, but the action was still there. Right. Um, and then, you know, but so they get that goal, goal they didn't deserve. Then they get a power play to get another goal that they didn't deserve. So, it was, you yeah. know, so you start, you know, you start looking at things like that. So it's like, okay, you know, you're going to, some nights you just don't have it. Right. But, you know, really the Ottawa game was this – because they got out of effort in that right. game. They really did not put up the – you know, Ottawa deserved the win. Ottawa played harder. They were quicker on the puck. Yep. They seemed to be quicker in every aspect of the game. And you just didn't – I didn't understand why this team that, you know, needs to win these games, especially that day as I had – you know, there was a scattered uh, – it was a holiday, so it was a scattered schedule on it. As we watched, you know, Atlantic – division team after team winning overtime and winning this and squeeze like oh it gotta win and they just yeah they just never had it never had it for a second you know you never just they just never were in it so you know now you look at the schedule this schedule is is there for them i mean the capitals tonight a struggling islanders team on saturday a devil's team that's yeah, not much tougher but still trying to get healthy on sunday the Flyers, not you know, they're not playing well right now. Sabres not playing well. Canadians, those are your next six games. Like you've got to win these games. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, these are games. You want to know the difference between you know this team and the teams that were really competing for the cup? Is the teams that were competing for the cup do these? You know, they they there was never a reason not to win those games. They right. understood the games they had to win, and they just went in there and did it. You know, this group, you gotta. You got to baby them from period to period. You know, they got to kind of be reminded that, you know, it's serious stuff right now. So, yeah. you know, that, so Monday was far more. Monday was far more frustrating, like not even close compared to. I agree. Yeah, Saturday lost 9 to 2, whatever. They lost 9 to 2. Those are, those are games that are easy to get off, get off, you know, get off your mind. But Monday was a game that they had no business losing, and they just went out there and laid them late in the egg. Yeah, I would agree about that um, on Monday. Uh, I did want to ask, since so many people are think that the Lightning need to make a trade or two, and I'm not going to tell you that I don't agree with that, uh, but with that being said, we still know there's a lot of talent on this roster, and we know that the high-end skill guys are certainly pulling their, their weight, but at the end of the day, we could talk about mortgaging par- more parts of the future to get other guys in here, but isn't it kind of, you look at the Tony Sorellis of the world, the Nick Pauls of the world, the Asamonts, that those guys kind of got to start getting it going too, right? I mean, they're still getting paid a pity, uh, at least Paul is and Sorelli, a pretty penny to be on this team right now. Yeah, and, I mean, Sorelli is getting paid like a top six forward right, right now. He's, uh, you know, one thing he's starting to, 
I guess warm up a little bit. You know, he's definitely been a catalyst behind Brandon Hagel getting hot. I, I will say that 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 little pairing has worked out well. Um, yeah, I mean Nick Paul, you'd like to see him. He he you know he had a good start. He looked like he was doing a lot of things as as a net front guy in the power play. Mm-hmm. You'd like to see him get more gritty goals. You'd like to see him in the mix a little bit more. Uh, you just you just don't have a lot of depth scoring. That's why when people ask me about trades, there's, there's a number of ways that there's no reason for them not to make a trade because there's a lot of things they need. It's uh, you know at first it was starting off well. You need a right-handed shot defenseman. Well, everybody in the league wants one of those. So that's you know so it's a it's a, it's a finite number of guys that can fill that. But with Sergeyev out. Heck, you need a left side person too, to be honest with you, yeah, to fill your yeah. left side depth. So that opens up a lot more doors. And this team needs more skill. Uh, they need more skill. They need another goal scorer. So that opens up a, a few more doors to see if you can find a, you know, if you can find somebody in your middle six, bottom six that can get you some goals. Connor Sheary has one more goal than the three of us that are currently on this, in this conversation this season. Um, Tanner Janot just hasn't played, you know, he hasn't been healthy. You know, he's a presence on the ice when he's out there, but he's not, you know, they were hoping he could kind of be a goal scorer in the teams, the upper teams. That that hasn't happened. So you got to find some way. So, you know, I guess I guess the per- in a perfect world is you get a left-handed defenseman that can, you know, give you some offensive skill yeah. at the same time. Would be yeah, the, they're just laying the around. perfect play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> and they're cheap, too. That's yeah, the that's thing about them. They don't cost yeah. a dime. Yeah, so, and, that's, and that's the issue, right, with, with Breeze Water right now. You didn't have any first-round picks he can really deal. Um, not any second-round picks he can deal either. Remember all those with <laughs> the Tanner Janot. That's right. He's got, he's got really, you know, you've got one major ass arm system, a guy named Isaac Howard, and you just don't have enough skill depth in the farm systems to give that guy up in my opinion right like you gotta you just don't have a lot they've actually as we've seen they've actually got they've done a they've done a pretty good job at restocking young defensemen but you just lack you know you lack a lot of goal scores and guys like alex barry boulet they've been begging this guy to get some goals this year to just just to show that he's more than a really really good ahl player and he just can't do it you know, they've brought up different guys. They're playing Kepka tonight. They're trying to find, like, can anybody down in Syracuse that can score goals in the NHL, in the AHL, can it translate? Can they get mm-hmm. these guys yeah. to score some National Hockey League goals? Hey, Corey, you know, the other part is we're talking about them bringing in somebody. And I, you, know, you had Cooper the other night say that you know, they just didn't play with emotion. They were kind of flat. Um, I think that's... I think that's absolutely 100% true. We've seen that. And, and is it is it the fact that maybe you don't have a, a Pat Maroon or Corey Perry or, or you know, a Yanni Gord back in the day that, that can bring that type of energy and, and, and whatever that, that fire is that they seem to be lacking? Is that something that they can go find on the open market or something that they, they have from within this team that needs to get started? I think, you know, they've tried to, to bring in those kind of those energy boosts in different ways. I think they're hoping Kepka can give them one tonight. I think you looked at some of the young defensemen. When Lilleberg came up, he definitely gave it to them. When Maxwell Crozier came up, he certainly gave it to them for a short period of time. So, 
I think they're hoping that, you know, that they keep kind of bringing, you know, they keep bringing in kids from Syracuse, bring them up, bring them down, that they're going to give you that, 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 that quick immediate boost. Right. I, I think they're, you know, maybe lacking somebody that helps them kind of reset and refocus. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. that's where, you know, the, the Pat Maroon type of presence came in is that, you know, that reset and refocus type of player. That that hasn't been there, and uh, I, I'm really, you know, I, I really think they they. I don't I don't want to say expected more. I mean, I guess they expected more because one goal. But I think they were hoping Connor Sheary would kind of be that person. And he's yeah. He's been out on the ice, and he's you know when he's been healthy, he's just fine. He's just he just hadn't produced, and it's uh it's unfortunate that you know he's just you seem to catch this guy at a time when he just can't score anymore, and he just doesn't really. Seem to, he seems to be so fighting his game right now. And when you're yeah. fighting your own game, it's difficult to really go out there and get everybody else's ass in gear. So, I, you know, it, it's curious to see what they're going to be looking for in a trade at the deadline because we've mentioned, you know, four or five things that they need. And they probably there's probably isn't one person that can get, them, get it all yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a level of importance. So what what is the most important thing now to – get them in the playoffs and get them in a, in a competitive spot. Because as you see, the other teams in the Atlantic are starting, you know, they're, they're, they're playing a little, they're, they're starting to heat up a little bit. And yep. they've got a little bit more flexibility to make moves than the Lightning do, even though the Lightning got some money right now. Uh, it's still, you know, that money came at the cost of losing, you know, losing a great defenseman. So it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a lot to look at right now. And it's, it starts with tonight. Tonight you got a team that, is the the only reason the Capitals are on ice is to get Alex Ovechkin goals. Like, there's the only thing they care about. Like, it wins, whatever. <laughs> break if he gets two, if he yeah, if he gets a hat trick and they lose twelve to three, it's a win as far as they're concerned. <laughs> you know, so whatever. You know. Well, let's let's make that happen tonight. That'll be just fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would. I'd like to see a breakout game. And you know this. Um, uh, the way this team has been playing, you know, coming out of the break and going into the break was fine. They did, you know, as, as Cooper said yesterday, the 20 games were, were fine. I, it's okay. But when that stuff creeps in the last two, that's what gives you, you know, the giving up the odd man rushes, you know, not playing flat, playing with no emotion in a time where you've got to get it going. So I think there's, there's no question. There is some reason for concern that hopefully they can turn it around tonight. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about the twelve-team playoff. the The format came out yesterday. Um, your thoughts? Good, bad, indifferent? What do you think? Uh, I, I, I guess it's a start. It's a, uh, it, college football is so it's so secretive. It's like, all right, know, we go right? the top four teams, the top highest ranked powerful conference champions. I guess you put your 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 G five person in there. They get a the, the top four get a buy. The fifth one, it doesn't matter where you rank. You can just you can be anywhere from fifth to twelve, and it's just like I guess the other the seven at large are based solely on the the committee rankings. Yeah. Like, and again, here's the problem: they won't tell you how they determine those. Right. Like college basketball, all they spell all that stuff out for you. You got these different quadrants of victory. Like they tell you exactly what they are looking at. Here, oh, we're just we we know what we're looking at. We just can't tell you. So well, if you lose your quarterback, yeah, you lose your quarterback. Doesn't work out for you. Yeah. You know, we just have to, have to take that into consideration. Yeah. But you know, 
So you already already look at and you say, okay, there's 12 teams. How much real estate is the SEC and the Big Ten going to take up? And you right. figure it's going to take up at least 18. Like they like if you just feel that way. So it's yeah. like now that leaves you three conference champions and basically one at large spot for everybody else. Like right. it's just I, the rankings, the the way they rank teams just does not make sense. And I'll, I'm going to use an example. Right. I'm going to use the 2023 Tennessee Volunteers. Okay. They went nine and four. Perfectly fine season. They had one victory over a ranked opponent, and that was against Iowa in their bowl game. <laughs> and, and here's what here's what doesn't make sense. They lost four games, three of the ranked teams, all by double digits. They were ranked 13th going into November 11th playing Missouri. They lost by 29 points. Yeah. They dropped to number 18. Yeah. Then they played number one Georgia, lost by twenty eight points. They dropped to number twenty one. Yeah. It's like, how are you still ranked? Because they're in the SEC. Yeah. You just lost two games by a combined amount of sixty points, and you dropped eight spots. Yeah. And you still deserve to be ranked at the the end of the season. If that team was in the yeah. ACC, they would not. They would have been ranked after the first loss. Out, you're gone. Yeah, they'd have ended up playing like the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl or something. Right. Like it just would have been ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, it's not so. There, you know, it's. I, I was not surprised it didn't happen. I mean, it didn't happen publicly because we can't hear any of these things. But right. I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC and the Big Ten basically demanded that they're guaranteed some playoff spots. Well, they and that's what. Brett Brett, uh, McMur- Brett McMurphy um, tweeted this out yesterday. He talked to the Oregon State athletic director who was in the the uh, the meeting, and he said that the the SEC wanted four automatic bids, and they weren't the only yeah. one, the only conference that wanted. So the SEC and the Big Ten wanted them put a, put forward a proposal that, that yeah. the SEC and the Big Ten would get four automatic bids. Yeah, and and first of all, the, the ESPN owns the college football playoff committee as we've seen. So yeah. they're, they're going to get those anyway, whether you codify them or not. Get them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're getting what they want. And right. that's why right away out of that meeting, you heard somebody say, we're probably headed to 14 teams in 2020. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so, and I think, I think the big 10 commissioner wanted 16 right out the gate. So already, already it's, it's, it's junk is what right. it is. Or, you know, it's just, it's junk. That's the best way to describe it. It's junk by a bunch of people who do have, who just have no standards for anything. They don't want you to know. They they, they really they don't want you to know how the bread's being made because they oh, don't know God. how the bread's being made. It, yeah. it it just depends from day to day. So that's really what I think about. I think it's junk. I agree. And it's just 100%. it's a, it's another it's another black feather in a sport that just is just. That that's begging to die. Like it, college football is begging somebody to kill it. It is just <laughs> pleading for somebody to kill it. Yeah, well, that's too much of a golden goose, though. It's begging for somebody to save it as well. I like, put it you put it that way. And I don't Well, I mean, I was just gonna ask. I was just gonna ask because Nick Saban had some pretty good comments yesterday, and you know, a lot of people think he should be, you know, maybe the czar of college football. I mean, how how does Corey Long view that? You think? I would love for Nick Saban to be the czar. I don't think Nick – I think as, as college football coaches go, especially from that era, Nick seems to be the one that gets it the most. His whole thing, 
As people said, oh, he didn't like the NIL, he didn't like the portal. I don't think it was that he didn't like them. I think it's that he just wanted to know what rules he was playing by. If you can't tell him what rules he's playing by, he can't figure out. You know, he's one of those guys that needs to be prepared for everything. And I think he was just sick of there's just no jurisdiction here. And I can't figure out what the hell is going on without that. And, you know, that's why he left. You know, that's why he's – there's certain coaches that can't deal with it. Like, Urban Meyer can't deal with NIL. Like, he just – he would die. Like, the fact that he has to be accountable to a player would just kill him. You know, he, shouldn't, he just doesn't think he's accountable to anybody. But Nick Saban, I love this team because I feel like at least he would demand some structure. And right now they just want to wing it. True. Um, but there's got to be – at some point, some, something's got to happen. I don't know if Congress is going to make him do it um, because with all these different media rights deals, you know, it's hard. It would be hard to pull it all together under one umbrella. Um, and, and the and the rich schools don't want to give up the money. So, you know, yeah. to spread it out, then that's something that would be needed if you're going to include all, you know, maybe 90 to, to 96 teams in, in four super conferences, however you're, you're going to do it. Um, so that's, it's going to be hard. It, somebody's going to have to force them to do it. And I don't know if there's an entity that, that will do that. So, um, yeah, I don't know right now, everybody, yeah, everybody's in business for themselves. And right. it's just, it's just going exactly. to be hard to break them out of that. It's going to be hard to break them out of that mold, out of that, out of that mindset. Yeah. Well, it also looks like FSU is going to get out of the ACC. They're going to, um, at least the reports on Friday are there's going to be a negotiation to 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 get them allow them out probably somewhere in the sixty to hundred million dollar exit fee range, which means they're headed somewhere. And I think the rest of the ACC schools are going to follow. Um, how do you think that thing's going to shake out? Where's FSU headed? Uh, I I always thought they were heading to the Big Ten till more recently, but I think now that. Now I think if this if this exit goes like it is, it's just going to be open season, and if you're going to be in essence have heck, you're going to have probably even have the Big Twelve trying to pick off one or two teams. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, it you know so I, I would say right now I think the Southeastern Conference seems like the at the end of the day I don't think that conference wants to give up the Florida real estate to the Big Ten. I think interesting. I think they're okay giving up other I think they're okay sharing other areas, but I don't think they want to give up the state of Florida, that, that real estate there. I don't think they really want to give that up to the Big Ten. I think they understand how important that state is as part of their recruiting footprint to give it up to you know, to give up you know, give up a major program to the Big Ten. I just don't think they want to do Interesting. That. Um, yeah, I, I thought that they, you know, he, they just bring so much more to the Big Ten and FSU. I don't think wants. I think if FSU was smart, they don't want to be in the SEC. I think it's. Oh I no, think, they're, they're they don't want to be in the. I mean, I just I don't think they're especially going in like say next year. I don't think they're ready for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're, they're they're ready for it as a program. But I also think it. And when I look at it beyond football, it really boosts up their other sports incredibly. You talk yeah. about baseball, softball, even basketball, women's basketball. Like it just really boosts up their total, their athletic profile, and it just becomes so much more easier for them to, uh, you know, to 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 have the games that they want to have, the games that are going to draw the big crowds, and those other sports. 
And, you know, the travel and just the convenience of it. I just think overall, obviously from a regional standpoint, it just works out so much better. And when you go past football, I think it really does a, a, amazing things for their other sports in terms of just being able to draw put put butts in the seats and draw money yeah. as, as they can. Yeah, I think that that's true. All right, partner, always fun to chat with you. Uh, I will see you tonight at Amelie Arena for the absolutely uh, caps and we might have to put one of us might have to put on some skates if these guys don't get in the gear. It ain't gonna be me. So <laughs> you better. Be, I've seen you skate. I've actually seen you skate before. So you got a better shot than I do. No, and not a <laughs> chance in the world. Not a chance. In the world. I will bring more emotion though. I will definitely. I won't. Be All flat. right, there you go. I won't be flat. I'll get All my right. ass kicked and, and knocked down. I won't be able to do it, but I'll but I'll I'll be pissed off about it for sure. All right, there we Thanks, go. Man. There we appreciate go. it, Corey. Thanks, bud. Appreciate All it. All right, you take care. Get him on the X machine at Corey Long, C O R E Y L O N G. Great follow there for all things football and uh and and lightning. Um, all right. Um, I just saw this is come across the wire. This is incredible. Amazon's going to pay $150 million to stream one playoff, one NFL playoff game next year. Mm-hmm. One NFL playoff game is worth $150 million mm-hmm. in streaming rights. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I guess what the, the Peacock game said they had 23 million people. Yeah, it was the most streamed live event of all time in the United 23 States. 23 million. And they paid $110 million for that. Yeah. So I guess if you can garner an average, an average audience of 23 million people or for Amazon, they've got a lot more right. prime members. You know what's you know what's funny Ooh. too is um wow. you know what's funny is Amazon actually was offered the playoff game this year first mm-hmm. and they turned it down. And that's when NBC at 110 million. Yeah, and that's when NBC Universal stepped up and they paid the 110, they broadcasted the game and then all of a sudden now Amazon gets into it. And now they're paying, you know, obviously a lot more. And, yeah, you, you mentioned the Amazon, I think, has $180 because I wrote about this for On3, $180 million subscribers, Amazon does. Mm-hmm. And that's as opposed to Peacock, which in 2023, at the end of 2023, they reported $31 million. So there's $180 million prime subscribers? Right. Wow. In the United States alone. And then wow. Peacock, it's $31 million. Holy shiz. Of course, Prime's a little bit more expensive than Peacock, but still, right. everybody's yeah. got Prime, it feels like. Well, well, you you get Prime with the Prime membership. just Right. You don't right, even have yeah. to be someone that's, like, watching their stuff. If you just do it for to order a bunch of stuff, you know, yeah. you end up getting everything. So it's a really good deal. Huh. That's a, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of people, though. And that's the only – the NFL is, delivers large audiences like no other. And that's – I mean, look at the freaking uh, the Super Bowl was a freaking beast of of a of a ratings number, 124 million people. Well, the total was over 200 million. Yeah, you look at the total number. I'd be touting that out of just how many eyeballs ended up getting onto the the Super Bowl total, over 200 million. I mean, I, is this going to happen like every year now that every Super Bowl is just going to continue to break its own record because they broke mm-hmm. their own average viewership record by eight million this year, and it was from last year's Super Bowl. The Taylor effect, the Taylor effect. I guess so. I guess, I guess so. Um, all right. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this. Justin Thomas committed to the Vals Bar, um, so they they've got I think um, one of their best fields ever uh, coming up. Field. 
Yeah, really, really good quality field. So get your tickets for that. The Cole Swindell Saturday night uh, piece. You don't want to miss that as well. That's going to be uh, super fun. I got a, I got a wedding, and that's also the same night as uh, Jason Aldean at the Bruce Arians event as well. So that's a very that, coming that's up. a packed that's a packed event right there. But uh, the Valspar is going to be fantastic. Absolutely great, great field, great event. Once again, make sure you get your tickets for that. All right, uh, that'll do it for us here today. Uh, great job, Nick Geddes. Appreciate you. Um, please remember to like and subscribe to our Apple and Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And you can always listen to this show as a podcast if you want to listen to it later on. And we're live on the Strike 102.5 HD2. That's the Bones HD channel, so check that out. A lot of great uh, content there. Greg Linelli and Dave Mishkin every day live right after us from 12 to 1 with Lightning Power Lunch. Have a great day, everybody. Go Bolts. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow.